Welcome to a special parent series, an offshoot of the Success is Subjective podcast, still brought to you by the collegealternative.org website, presented by Lilly Consulting, and I'm still your host, Joanna Lilly. As with the evolution of any podcast, I was hearing from more and more parents about how they wish that they could share their story, how they'd wish that they'd known others were going through similar experiences, how they'd wish they'd known it was okay for their child to get help earlier, or how they'd wish they'd even known that therapeutic consultants existed. That's how this special series came to be. Each month, I'll be releasing anonymous parent interviews as they briefly share their emotions, talk through their biggest fears, and impart a piece of advice for other parents out there that may have a struggling adolescent or young adult. This special series feels liberating and instills hope. Without even broaching the topic of success, we are inherently talking about the shifts in what success looks like through the eyes of a parent whose child is struggling with their mental health or substance use. It almost doesn't need to be said, but of course I'm going to say it anyways. Success for each of these parents and their child is subjective. Episode 169 of the Special Parents series is of a dad named CJ. CJ's daughter, who we'll refer to as Angel, struggled prior to kindergarten with temper tantrums and just freezing up when she was overwhelmed or tired. CJ and his wife went through a lot of counseling at that time with no real solutions, but she began to adapt to elementary school and did well. Her grades started to slip again in middle school, and by high school, she was flunking out. She was given an antidepressant and a mood stabilizer with no real improvement. Things did change rapidly when a high school teacher called them, uh, called them in and suggested that maybe Angel actually has attention deficit disorder. CJ had to advocate for her with a psychiatrist to start medication, and shortly after, her grades and mood improved considerably. Things were looking up until Angel started dating a guy in high school who turned out to be very abusive, both physically and emotionally. Even after she broke it off, her scars remained, but she hid them well from her parents. Things took a real turn when she was offered meth at her job. She later told her parents that it was like the blinders came off. Angel lost her job, did meth for almost a year, and then got herself clean, but turned to alcohol to dull the pain. She moved back in with her parents, and only then did CJ learn about the abuse. After almost six years of cycling through job loss, emergency room visits, counselors, rehab, drunk driving, etc., Angel finally hit rock bottom. CJ and his wife had to give Angel a choice, commit to a program, or you'll have to leave. She chose the program she went to and was able to finally confront her trauma head on. It wasn't about sobriety all along, but rather getting to the root of why she was seeking substances to soothe herself in the first place. And after about 15 months in two different programs, she has remained sober for over three years. Angel is steadily employed, committed to her recovery and making friends. And importantly, CJ mentioned that they have been able to reestablish a strong relationship and have rebuilt trust. So let's not wait any longer. Here's CJ. So let's just dive right in. Why don't you go ahead and just describe the feelings that you had when your young adult was struggling or when they made a decision that impacted you? Really, it was a never-ending roller coaster. You know, finding out and being heartbroken just almost at every curve when we found out how bad the drinking was. About her previous drug use and her abusive relationship that she hadn't shared before. That happened in the ER following an overdose. That was a great night, you know. 
when she was arrested for drunk in public or when the cops and the sheriffs took turns dropping her off at home to avoid arrest. You know, when we didn't hear from her all night because she was sleeping something off, it was just like one takedown after another emotionally. But our biggest surprise, I think, was systemic. First, I'll take responsibility for taking too long to try to help let her grow up and do her thing and get past this. Um, but we made her attend counseling, see a psychiatrist, even got her into rehab when she requested it. But at every step, the focus was on her sobriety, not addressing the root cause, the trauma behind it. She, they never got her or she got out of, I don't know which, exploring what she was running from. Because I know she could be manipulative, just like the psychiatrist or whoever may not have asked the right questions. Otter, Otter didn't want to discuss it. and She wasn't pushed because these were short-term relationships. They're very empty. The trauma finally came out when we got her into a wilderness program. It was a real breakthrough, but we had to get her away from everything to focus on her. The time she was in the program, she built intensive relationships with the staff there. And I know at one point they got her out one-on-one -on -one in the snow with one of the counselors for a couple of days when they really got her to open up. And at that point, things seemed to take a turn for the better. You know, the problem is throughout the years of trying to get her the help that was on the insurance or whatever, we really didn't know about these kind of programs. Well, and with all of that information too, right? You're, that's a whole other conversation in itself, honestly, to talk about kind of like resources that exist that are covered by insurance or yeah. presented by insurance versus those that aren't. But during all of this, right? You just talked about it kept, it was like one, one takedown after another. During all of this, you know, everything that you went through, what was the biggest fear that you had during that time? Plain and simple, losing our kid death, severe injury, more trauma, you name it. We felt it or imagined it. You know, when your kid's out driving drunk, she turned out to be a fairly responsible drunk, uh, um, sleeping it off in the trunk. We didn't know that. When she overdosed, I don't think she was trying to harm herself. I think she was trying to escape what she was feeling, but I couldn't know that at the time when I see this load of pills and she's laying on the floor. If we didn't know exactly where she was, even if she was a few minutes late from work, 11.15 instead of 11 o'clock, you start to panic. Uh, we were afraid to confront her, too, when she acted out because we was afraid she was just going to run away from us. I don't know how many nights in the ER. Getting her off the roof when she was high was a lot of fun. You know, um, she might also have not had any clothes on at the time, you know, kind of really out of it. But after all that, now she's three plus years sober. She's independent. But sometimes I want to jump in and manage her instead of supporting her growth. She does make sure, and I think this is something she learned in the long-term programs, to, to thank us for listening or tell us up front when she just needs to vent. It makes it easier to relax and listen. I don't knock any foundational blocks down by being a parent when I shouldn't be. Other parents we met when our daughter was in the last program were really having trouble with letting go, and some were still hovering. And believe me, our daughter had been back as an alumni speaker at the program, and the kids talk about that. She says, uh, said at one of the uh, panels, my, you know, my parents really listened to me and let me make my decision. And one of the kids immediately turned around to the parents and said, yeah, that's what I need. So we finally got there. But, um, John, I don't know if that fear will ever go away. You know, all these years later, there's, there's still, um, you know, nightmares and other things that sometimes, you know, stupid things, stupid thoughts that run through your mind that you just can't get past. I think it's something that people have to understand. It's kind of like grief because I lose what the vision of my child was. We go through it and then my child is now a new adult. Much of what I thought she would be, some differences. 
but I'm still grieving this idealized image that probably only happens on TV, but we all think we can get there as parents. I think that's actually, that is so profound is that exactly what you just talked about, the grief and loss. It's, it's not a, and, and there's sometimes that I work with parents too, where they really struggle with that idea of processing it. Cause they don't want to, they don't want to let go or they don't want to acknowledge that it feels weird to grieve this vision that you had of your child when you're really simultaneously straddling. I'm trying to accept them for how they are and who they're becoming right in this moment. So that's actually, I'm really appreciative that you shared that. And that's a part of your process. So as a parent during all of this too, right, you, you also just kind of touched on some of these pieces, but who did you lean on for support during the initial experiences when your daughter was struggling? And that could be, you know, even pre-wilderness, like you alluded to her going to a wilderness program. What resources were you leaning on kind of throughout this journey? Well, at first we did what we thought was right, uh, getting her in with a counselor, particularly one who we liked that specialized in treating alcoholism. You know, that was, that was something I grew up in an alcoholic home that wasn't available. I thought this was great that it was out there. Wow. Uh, getting her with a psych to help manage some of her other issues, ADHD, other things that can compound this. Uh, we went to Al-Anon. Didn't really help us because she didn't really take to the 12-step programs either. And so it's kind of like, well, are we really learning something that we can that helps us? Uh, we were just kind of treading water, though, really. You go to Al-Anon, you get feeling really better, and she'd come home drunk that night. Like, <laughs> gone. But we also kept this from family and friends. We got really good at lying for her, making excuses. Oh, she just doesn't feel good tonight. She's got to work early tomorrow, even if she didn't have a job. You know, it, it's one thing to not share it with elderly parents because they may not understand. But um, her older sister finally forced the issue. She basically called our BS, told us we were lying and wanted to get involved. That was a huge breakthrough for us because she's an adult, has her own struggles. She's only a couple years older. But she became somebody to talk to, somebody to count on, somebody to meet us at the ER. When our alcoholic daughter went to rehab, she even went up and had a great family day with her, just, just being sisters again, which they hadn't done in a long time. Um, we finally dug deeper and began to find the right resources for us as parents because we were focusing on counseling for her. It was hard to find these resources. They're certainly not out there on insurance, mental health coverage, anything like that. Mental, par mental health parity is a, a fantasy. But my wife talked to another mom that had had a child go through a long-term recovery program for another addiction. And from her, she got the name of a parent coach. And we were like, what the heck is a parent coach? You know, it's never think it's a counselor. It's a counselor who turned out to be someone who not only worked with parents, but had worked in long-term recovery programs, knew them inside and out. And she helped us develop that emotional strength, the separated separation that we needed to give our daughter the tough choice. We couldn't find that in Al-Anon. The three C's seemed so pat. Kind of, it came down to, here's this wilderness program we'd like you to attend. Otherwise, you need to move out and be homeless. You know, uh, that hurt like hell. Um, one of the two toughest decisions that I've had to make as she's recovered. Uh, through the parent coach, we were introduced to you. As the kids call her, you're the rehab realtor to start learning not only about programs, but what's a stage one, what's a stage two, what is a wilderness program about? What, it, what am I gonna put my kid in an apartment for a year to learn about? The most important thing for us is that these programs, in addition to helping our daughter learn to live a life beyond sobriety, is that 
This is the only place where we found support for us. The counselors had to talk to us. They had to have permission. They, they had to be, that walk that fine line. But they talked to us half hour to an hour a week. We texted back and forth. I could text the counselor when I talked to my daughter and she seemed to be in crisis and kind of check in. Uh, it was kind of like we were asked to join the team, not just sit in the waiting room, but the psych's office for half an hour. And that was that was really brought us together as a family. I know some families are too damaged to join in that easily. We saw a lot of that, where a lot of the trauma or a lot of what happened with the child tore the family apart. But I would still encourage them to put the past behind them and participate. We saw some really good families where mom and dad weren't talking, but individually they were still working with their child in the program. They might be really with, with the adult that comes out and that might help their healing. Well, I think that actually is a perfect segue then into the the last question that I want to ask is, you know, in reflection on your experiences as the like parent support, what advice would you give to another parent that's going through this right now? Yeah, I think, first of all, don't just advocate for your child. Don't just seek help for your child. It's not their problem. It's a family issue. And you need to advocate for yourselves at the same time. We never thought about finding a counselor for ourselves because we have a good relationship. Most of the people we know that go to a couples counselor, they go for issues between themselves. We didn't have that. Uh, was, I'm very blessed in that way. But we had a very limited point of view that when we started working with parent coach, we thought, no, there's counselors out there that if you tell them you need help as a couple to meet a need, they will work with you on that. For single parents, even, as I mentioned earlier, some parents are finding your own counselor to help you understand your child. We saw a couple of these couples suffer because one parent wasn't the favorite parent, yet they were trying to be involved. And it was really difficult. And they have to understand in those sort of circumstances that the child is, even as an adult or young adult, adult or adolescent, can play one parent off the other pretty well. We saw that. Share what you're going through with friends and family. Maybe not everyone, but our siblings were very open. Uh, our closest friends were upset that we hadn't shared more. When our daughter finally entered wilderness and then a stage two program, she specifically asked that we share. She needed their support and she wants them in her life. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. The first time we went up to meet with our daughter at the program, just took her out for lunch. It so happened that uh, some of our best friends were there at the time on an RV trip. And we made arrangements. We went out to a little Italian place and she looked and but then came walking through the door. Total surprise, uh, the look of joy. I hadn't seen her that with everything she'd gone through. I hadn't seen that happy, you know, uh, especially after the couple months in the program of having to, you know, flay herself alive to get the, you know, get down to what's bothering her. But that was a really special moment there. And they made it very clear that we want you in our lives and don't you dare try to hide from us going forward. Well, I know that there's going to be at least one parent that will listen to the story and they will greatly appreciate, you know, bits of your journey or your experiences or you sharing the advice that you're imparting. And so I just want to honor that openness, that vulnerability of you coming on to share your parent perspective. So thank you again for taking the time to do this. Thank you for this opportunity. I'm glad to see more stuff going out there that another parent might look at and I'm happy to help and appreciate everything that has gone on and everything that you've done to help our daughter get here. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. 
I want to thank the parents for joining me on this week and for being willing to share their journey. It's raw, vulnerable, and takes some serious courage to be willing to put their voice out there into the podcast universe. Stay tuned for the next episode in this special parent series where you can bet it'll be another family sharing their personal story of adversity, acceptance, and peace. You might have noticed that there's no contact information in the show notes for this special parent series, but if you're interested in getting connected to the parent on a particular podcast episode, please email me, Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, at successissubjective.org. If you are a parent who's interested in being a guest on the podcast, also email me at joanna at successissubjective.org. I will be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out the collegealternative.org and lilyconsulting.com websites for additional resources outside of podcasting. If you're listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. And while you're at it, feel free to leave a review. You can also download to listen to the Success is Subjective podcast on any other popular podcast apps such as Amazon, Audible, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And last but not least... Success is Subjective is listener-supported, made possible by me and you. You can show support for the continuation of this podcast by donating on the successissubjective.org website. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it. Do you have a teenager or young adult who seems to have lost their way? Maybe they need help navigating adolescence, adulthood, and decisions surrounding higher education. Or maybe they have become withdrawn, their grades are slipping, or they are flat out living a reckless lifestyle, and you're concerned about their health and well-being. If this describes what your teen or young adult is facing, a therapeutic consultant may be able to help. Mental health, addiction recovery, and higher education can all be equally expensive. While information is everywhere, how do you know what option is the best one for your family? Some parents have the time to research and navigate this on their own. Some don't. If the latter applies to you, enter Therapeutic Consultants. Therapeutic Consultants, like Joanna, listen to your family's specific needs and advocate on behalf of your loved one. TCs will research therapeutic resources, recommend treatment programs, and assist during adulthood transitions. Not being affiliated with any program, their support is completely objective and catered toward the best interest of each unique family. To find a qualified therapeutic consultant to work with, check out TCA, also known as the Therapeutic Consulting Association. Their website is therapeuticconsulting.org, all one word. Again, that's therapeuticconsulting.org. Then click the Find a Pro tab up at the top.